Hello friends, this is the Daily Edify with Jeff Lane and I've missed doing this the last several weeks. Been on hiatus longer than I anticipated uh, since late November, but here we are early February back at it. I'm out of the rhythm and a little rusty, uh, but have lots of things to share and learn with you uh, and thank you for listening. Uh, I'm also going to experiment with dropping the 30 second intro at the beginning. Feel free to shoot me an email if that's helpful, not helpful. Uh, dailyedify at gmail.com. But friends, today's episode is about uh, light and darkness. Uh, this is actually something we focused on during the season of Advent in the church I serve here in Wilmette, just north of Chicago. During the season of Advent, you may know it's the, it's the four weeks leading up to Christmas, uh, our default setting is often to overemphasize the light and to underemphasize the darkness. In the Gospel of John, it, it says, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. Now, I'm just as guilty of this as anyone else, and it's not bad, right? It's crucial to the message of the Incarnation, as we Christians understand it, of, of God coming to us to save us, to show us the way. God is indeed light, but it's not the totality of the message, nor, I think, does it jibe with the nature of creation itself. The message of Advent is not a zero-sum game, a, a duel between light and darkness with the hope that light will someday, somehow, some way, banish darkness forever. The truth is actually simpler and more compelling. The truth is that light and darkness are not diametrically opposed foes, as uh, the Hamilton musical might, might say, but light and darkness are complementary forces with uh, more of a symbiotic relationship. The the light still shines in the darkness, yes, but not to eliminate it entirely, but rather to give it its proper place. And so in December, we pondered together how both light and darkness are necessary and holy companions for our season of preparation for the birth of Christ for Christmas. As we pass the winter solstice, too, on December 21st, at least here in the Northern Hemisphere, we were mindful of the natural rhythms of the earth and of our bodies, the, the call to slow down, to rest more, or as the prophet Isaiah puts it, to, to find the treasures of darkness. There's a popular inspirational saying out there, I'm not sure who, who, who first said it, but it goes like this, never doubt in the dark what God told you in the light. Have you ever heard this? Never doubt in the dark what God told you in the light. And I don't mean to criticize this encouraging word. It's a good reminder to remember who you are, to trust God's goodness, to, even when you're in the midst of suffering and your world is falling apart. But in December, I invited our folks to see the wisdom of the other side of that same. Instead, we can say, never doubt in the light what God told you in the dark. Never doubt in the light what God told you in the dark. Because if you're like me, it's actually when things are going really well that I'm inclined to forget who I am, to begin assuming that it all depends on me uh, and that life is about just getting things done and acquiring a pile of money and stuff and achievements. I I'm tempted to ignore that, as the poet William Blake puts it, uh, we are put on earth a little space that we may learn to bear the beams of love. As it turns out, both... Both the light and the dark can teach us how to bear the beams of love. 
Barbara Brown Taylor, the author, Episcopal priest, wrote a book about eight or nine years ago now called Learning to Walk in the Dark. And she, in this book, notes that there are a hundred references, at least, to darkness in the Bible, and most of them are quite negative. Uh, When God is angry, for example, locusts darken the land, or when Jesus is put to death on Good Friday, darkness covers the land for three hours. Or in the prophet Amos, the judgment day of the Lord will be a day of, you guessed it, darkness. And yet, uh, Taylor also notices how many significant things happen in the dark in the pages of the Bible. In the opening chapters of Genesis, creation begins in the dark. God's word of life speaks over the watery chaos so that light rules the day and dark rules the night. After the exodus, Moses meets with God on the mountain, receiving the Ten Commandments, where he does so within a dark cloud, the thick darkness where God dwells, as as Exodus puts it. Or when Abraham begins to doubt God's plan to give him a family, God tells him to, remember this, go outside at night and look up at the stars. Or later on, Jacob wrestling with God at night, ending the encounter with a limp, but more wisdom to boot. Or think of the birth of Jesus, the, the incarnation itself happening in the dark, or resurrection happening in the dark. The stone is rolled away before sunrise when Mary arrives at the tomb, or the Magi who could only find Bethlehem during the night. They must have slept during the day so that the star was visible, their ancient form of GPS. Or the shepherds working the third shift in a field nearby were startled by the heavenly chorus, not during the day, but at night. Or Nicodemus quietly visiting Jesus in the dark, or Jesus himself being fond of going off to pray by himself during the night, communing with God in the quiet under the panoply of stars. Friends, I wonder how this lands for you, uh, that, that God creates and sustains both light and dark, day and night, that both are necessary for God's dream to be realized, that we need darkness as much as we need light. I wonder what treasures of darkness, which is Isaiah's phrase, what treasures of darkness you are holding close in these long winter days of of February. One other thing that uh, came to mind, uh, do you know that Simon and Garfunkel song, uh, The Sound of Silence? It, It famously begins with the lyrics, hello darkness, my old friend, I've come to talk to you again. Simon and Garfunkel uh, have repeatedly stated that these lyrics were not about anything grandiose, but rather about people's inability to communicate despite society's noise. And remember, this was back in the 60s, even more so today. Simon says that he wrote the song, and, and many songs, in his bathroom in the dark to get away from distractions, where he turned off the lights to concentrate better. I found Simon, a quote of him saying that the main thing about playing the guitar was being able to sit by myself and dream. I used to go off in the bathroom because the bathroom was a sort of echo chamber, he said. I would turn off the lights and play. So that was that was why the darkness was his friend. Out of the darkness came some of the best-loved American music, but then if you are a fan of the blues, you also know that great music, like literature and poetry, often emerges from the darkness. Darkness is an old friend to many of us, isn't it? Uh, A a treasure that keeps other stimuli away. And darkness is often where God meets us, where love itself uh, encircles us. In the womb, in the night, in the dreaming, when we're lost, when our world has come undone, when we cannot see the next step on the path, God, God meets us there.
Friends, I, I invite you in these humdrum days of February, instead of resisting the darkness, which might be my default tendency, fearing it because it seems uncertain and unknown, instead of resisting the darkness, try embracing it instead. Try making it your friend, as Simon and Garfunkel advise us. Allow it to, to motivate you, to inspire you, to shield you, to give you hope. Because you are held in God's loving arms in the light and in the darkness and in every shade of gray in between. Deep peace to you, friends. Talk to you soon. If today's podcast has blessed you, provided a tinge of clarity or some nourishment for your spiritual journey, please share it with a friend so that we can create a more inclusive community. Or do you have any feedback for me, any show ideas, something that was particularly helpful or something that could have been better? Please send me an email at thedailyedify at gmail.com. That's in the show notes as well. I'd love to hear from you. Also, please consider rating and reviewing The Daily Edify wherever you get your podcasts. Friends, you are loved and never alone.